Could Sam Darnold be the next Geno Smith in the NFL? What about conservative Kyle? Looking at some of the numbers and some of the records for teams that are conservative on fourth and ones. All coming up on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers. Your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Lockdown 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen every day here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Shout out to the everydayers, your team every day. It is what we do throughout the offseason and, of course, the regular season and many seasons now. And I hope again, the postseason, Croc. It's a fun team to cover are the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, a couple of topics here with Sam Darnold, Croc. Getting reps with the ones. And Sam Donald's career has been shaky to start, to say the least. The dude's averaging practically two turnovers a game through his first 55 games of his NFL career. His very He had a nice stretch to end the season last year with the Carolina Panthers. Clearly, Steve Wilkes, Chris McCaffrey, people he's been, he's been around and played with him liked him enough and and I, I think people like him enough around the league and I think it's one of the reasons with his talent is the reason the 49ers brought him in highly drafted guy talented sometimes in the NFL just takes some time and dude's only 26 years old still could Sam Darnold be the next Geno Smith croc that is that is something that my co-host on the Peacock and Williamson show brought up and I thought it was really interesting um, I have my take on it, but I wanted to ask you first. What do you think? Could could Sam Darnold make that turnaround with the San Francisco 49ers or really anybody? You know, I, I think that's a great question, right? And I think it's really for anybody, right? Like, what did Geno Smith go through? What were his circumstances early on? And one thing I've learned about fans, people, a lot of times they just kind of go off of what's in front of them without being able to project whether that's projecting a guy get better, uh, projecting maybe a guy get worse. But a lot of times it's whatever's in front of them, that's what they see, and that's what it is. And when you look at Geno Smith and how he started and just what, really what the situation was, and it was cool because I was there to see a lot of it, right? But rookie year, he you're looking at his numbers, 55% completion percentage guy. That doesn't tell the whole story, but you see those numbers. 12 touchdowns to 21 interceptions. Not great, right? So if you would have saw rookie year Geno Smith, there's no way in heck that you would say, oh, you know what? When he's 32 years old, all right, nine years later or whatever, he's actually going to lead the Seattle Seahawks to the playoffs. He's going to complete pretty much 70% of his passes. He's going to throw 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Like nobody would have ever seen that coming. But what went into that, right? Like what's the context behind it? And that Jets team that I got a chance to see up close and personal, was not good offensively. He did not have a whole lot of help. I can rattle off some names of guys that I was there with, and y'all probably wouldn't know who most of these guys are. Receivers like Clyde Gates. Who is Clyde Gates? And again, no disrespect to Clyde, but who is Clyde Gates, right? Uh, you had an older version of like Kellen Winslow. It, before he kind of got crazy, I think he still might be in jail right now, whatever's going on with him, okay? Uh, they're running backs. Mike Goodson. Do you remember Mike Goodson? Mike Greatson, in yes. my opinion. 
Mike Goodson. Look, you know, you know who he's like, who's Mike Goodson? I remember I remember the I remember Mike Goodson. I, I might have had him uh I might have picked him up off the waiver wire for a week in fantasy football once. Didn't yeah, he? okay. So he, he was the Panthers the too, didn't he? For a bit. He was with the Raiders and, and Carolina Panthers yeah. and uh found his way over to the Jets. And the, but the Jets were kind of relying on him. Then he kind of got in charge at some point during the uh offseason or whatever. And then Chris Ivory. Now we do remember Chris Ivory, and there was another guy that hung around a lot uh there, Bilal Powell. Anyways, needless to say, uh, Joe not, McKnight, too, right? Joe McKnight as well. Yeah. Uh, Joe McKnight as well. RP. There was not a whole lot of just like legit talent that was solidified at the NFL level, and you wonder why he maybe was as bad as he was. Where is the help? Like, who are the guys going to help soften the blow from the offensive coordinator and whoever that was to you know the way things were set up for him. How was he going to be successful? So it wasn't great. And then you go from that situation to playing, being a backup for the next however many years. And, and he not even he never got a chance to start again with the Jets after that. Uh, yeah, I mean he went three and ten the next year. Okay, so I mean, he was a starter, and they kind of gave up on him after two years. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, played, and they had that whole thing almost yeah. went to the playoffs. Uh, so you kind of go through that whole situation and then, okay, he's out of there. He goes to the New York Giants. He's a backup. Goes to the LA Chargers. He's a backup. Goes to Seattle for multiple years. He's a backup. And then, boom, a more mature version, maybe not as much stress or as much pressure, uh, understands how to be a better teammate. Remember, there was a situation in New York. He got punched in the jaw, broke his jaw uh, for some stuff that happened off the field. You know, just all these different things that went into the development of Geno. So when you ask if Sam Darnold could be the next Geno Smith, anybody that has talent that just gets it, gets into a situation where, man, this situation is better suited for me. I have a coach that strongly believes in me. I think that's part of it, right? Like Pete Carroll believing in Geno Smith. Now he got a chance to see him for multiple years practice. And he's like, you know what? We'll trade. Russell Wilson away because I kind of I think there's something there with this Geno kid and hey Geno we're gonna say on the outside there's kind of a competition between you and Drew Lock there is no competition do your thing and you'll be the guy and they never waver from that saying that he was the guy throughout the entire offseason and he did a really good job and you see the season he had so Sam Darnold look where he's at right now and it's been all bad but look at what his circumstances have been and I'm not saying he's gonna have a Geno Smith year he, you might not even see him on the field. But I don't see a scenario where it's just like, oh, it's impossible, especially with a guy of his talent. Yeah, and you look at some of the similarities. First of all, started with the Jets, who've been bad forever, and things weren't great for him there. But when you watch Geno Smith throw, too, it's not like he was a backup because he was one of those journeyman backups that is smart, can hold a clipboard, but just doesn't physically have a lot of talent. Like he throws a great ball. Like he's he's a, he can throw right. Like he's he was drafted high. He was everyone thought he was gonna be a first round pick. He kind of slid into the second round of that draft in twenty twenty two, or no twenty twelve. Excuse me. But he's he's you know physically talented, and it just took him a while. And sitting and sitting in this, and, and clearly one one of the other similarities is that, um, and Arnold's gotten more opportunities than than Geno Smith did early in his career, but enough people have liked him enough to keep him around and he kept getting jobs. You know, Geno Smith didn't just wash out of the league like uh, EJ Manuel or somebody who was drafted a year after him in the first round. He played three years in the league and was gone. He wasn't a backup anywhere, you know? Uh, so Geno Smith was 
enough of a team player that people wanted him on his roster and they, he hung around as a backup and got more jobs and then sat in a scheme for a few years and the team believed in him and it was a much better situation and you see a much better player on the field. So we could absolutely see that with Sam Darnold because he's a talented guy. I would say though, the one thing that might prevent that from happening now this year, as good of a situation as it is to play for Kyle Shanahan, to have all the weapons that the 49ers do, is maybe Sam Darnold needs that couple of years to sit on the bench, you know? And then in 2025, after being a backup for two years in the same system, and then just now it's like, okay, completely refreshed, clean clean slate. You're still in your 20s, and then now you're ready to go play some football. I mean, a year from tour now, he's kind of hitting that sweet spot as an NFL quarterback. We're, you know, 27, 28 years old. You're kind of like the best version of yourself from a mental standpoint. The game starts to slow down for you. You know, I've talked a lot about uh, me and right now, right? Like, I am not the athlete I was when I was younger, you know, 23, 24, 25, 26 years old. But I can get out there with my kids and play good against them, even though they might be faster than me, because the game has slowed down so much for me. So I can still play cornerback. I can still off in zone. I understand concepts. And those are the things that especially after getting a chance to sit the bench for a little while, kind of see the game, uh, it starts to slow down, understand more of what a team is asking, especially when you get to sit in the offense for a while, as did Geno Smith. I think that would be the best case scenario for Sam Darnold to succeed. Again, we are talking about how, like, could he be the next Geno Smith? What would go into him becoming more successful? And it would have to be all those things kind of coming together. It's harder for me to because I he he did end the season fairly well. Uh, I think people are overrating the last six games that the Panthers played last year. The last game he's played in the NFL was five for fourteen passing, forty two yards, and zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Right? It wasn't a good football game. So that's what he's. That's the most recent Sam Darnold there was. And so there's more evidence that he's not seeing something clearly. So I think time is important to Sam Darnold, not just a new situation, but clearly it's a much better situation. So if he becomes the next Geno Smith, I I think time might be a key factor in that. I think it was a key factor for Geno Smith might be a a key factor for Sam Darnold. And and sometimes it sounds like I might be crushing Sam Darnold on this podcast, but, but I'm going to trust the tape on that one from what I've seen from him, but I'm also not going to put a limit on what he could be because he is a physically talented guy. And who knows, maybe we will see that in 2023, but I have a feeling if Sam Darnold becomes that it might be more like 2025 for him. Next croc. Kyle Shanahan's a pretty conservative head coach. We've got some numbers on fourth and ones and what that's meant for other coaches versus Kyle Shanahan uh, and, and those coaches careers and whether they, were successful and whether they continued to be a head coach in the NFL next today's episode of locked on 49ers is brought to you by FanDuel America's number one sports book. Make a fast break to FanDuel for the NBA playoffs. Right now you get a no sweat first bet for new customers. What is a no sweat first bet? Well, $2,500 back. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't, win so you bet up to 2500 on your first bet if it doesn't win you can get that money back in bonus bets there's no better place to bet all the playoff action than america's number one sports book and it's not just nba playoffs there's nhl playoffs how about nfl futures how about this running back rushing props christian mccaffrey 
He's like not even the top 10 of potential leading rushers this year. Most regular season total rushing yards. Christian McCaffrey, 22 to 1 odds to be the league's leading rusher. He's behind even a quarterback. Justin Fields is 20 to 1. Uh, you can bet on the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. Coach of the year. Sacks for Nick Bosa. Defensive props. Offensive props. Uh, player season awards. Rookies. Offensive. Defensive rookies of the year. Tons to bet on uh, all season long for Major League Baseball, hockey, NBA, soccer, even snooker, and, of course, NFL football. So check it out today uh, at FanDuel and go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up and get that no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Okay, I want to go to a stat here, Croc. Uh, This one's from Ryan McChrystal on Twitter. The six teams with the highest punt rate on fourth and one from their own 40-yard line or closer last year via True Media. So again, this is punting on fourth down and one from your own 40-yard line or closer last year. Six teams. The Saints, the Panthers, the Texans, the 49ers, the Broncos, and the Cardinals were the six teams with the highest punt rate on fourth and one from their own 40-yard line or closer last year. Four of those six teams fired their head coaches. The Panthers, Texans, Broncos, Cardinals. All those coaches got fired. The Saints were not a playoff team. Uh, They held on to their coach. And the other team is the 49ers. They're in the NFC Championship game. So uh, my my question to you, I think, with this crock is, is Kyle Shanahan too conservative? Because we know he's a little bit conservative. He's running out of fullback more than any other team out there. Uh, Or is he just kind of zigging while the rest of the league is zagging? And by the way, 2022, Croc, I believe in the last 10 plus years, it's the first year that 21 personnel, which is two running backs, one tight end, which basically means there's a fullback on the field. 21 personnel was the percentage of 21 personnel in the league went up for the first time in in like 10 to 12 years from like seven point something percent to eight percent and it had just consistently gone down every single year for for a decade straight last year it went up just a tick for the first time well clearly that's the shanahan effect Uh, you know one thing that we didn't look at when you initially kind of brought up those numbers was what what defense what were the defensive rankings for those teams you talked a lot about the teams that, that the coaches that got fired. Uh, the and, Panthers, Panthers had a pretty good defense. The uh, the Broncos, okay. The Texans, I don't think were good defensively statistically. The Saints, I think were okay, maybe. Uh, Cardinals definitely were not good. I, I wonder, like, is is this Kyle? And I've talked about him being the defensive coordinator, being more conservative, being a little tight with his quarterbacks. I think he's very tight with them. The, the way they like he kind of cusses them out. I, I haven't seen that. Now again, when I when I say that, I've seen coach coaches get on quarterbacks, especially like in practice. We've heard a lot about Belichick and his relationship with his quarterbacks or Tom Brady during like during meetings. He treats Tom Brady like everybody else. But on the field, like in the moment, it's almost like a a pitcher throwing a no hitter. It's like that's typically not the guy you kind of yell at. Kind of let him just. He'll do his thing. He understands when he made a mistake and, and whatnot. But yeah, Kyle kind of gets on guys. I think it's because it's like, do it like this. How hard is it to do it this way? And they're like, okay, yes, yes, coach. You know, uh, they play a little tight. But because of that, 
and I think he's so afraid of people messing up, he tends to be a little bit more conservative. And that's something I've seen. He's conservative until he's not. And there have been situations where it's like, oh, okay, I got a 10-point lead. Okay, now I can let loose a little bit. And there are a couple of different times that where it stands out clearly to me. 49ers playing against Jacksonville Jaguars. They have a like third and two. And I think that's when Jimmy Garoppolo missed the out route to it might have been like Jeff Wilson on a little flat. And then it's like, man, you you drove and it's a 20 play drive and you kick a field goal from the two yard line. And I just thought, that's kind of weak, right? Like that was kind of, and, and but then later in the game, same scenario, all the 49ers are up now and he goes for it and you score a touchdown. So like I've seen it uh, uh, other times where it's before the half, right? Jimmy Garoppolo is that quarterback. You're playing against the Rams. It's right before the half. And it's like, mm, nope, pack just, it in. We're going to pack it in. <laughs> but then later in the game, fourth and seven, when you're up double digits, oh, we're going to go for it. He throws a slant to Debo Samuel, touchdown, right? So I don't know if it's him being more calculated or if it's just when it's close, I don't trust you guys at all, and I'm going to play as conservative as possible. But when we can bust it open, then it's cool. And how does that correlate to wins and losses? Because you're talking about these other coaches, they're getting fired. He still has a job, and he's winning a lot of games. I wonder what that, uh, how much it plays into his favor because he is more conservative. Or could the 49ers blow some of these games open a little bit more if he wasn't as conservative? And there's not really a correlation with those teams and being like, oh, these are the teams with the six best defenses in the league. So, of course, they're going to lean on their defense, knowing that their defense is going to give them the ball back and those teams are punting more. So there's not really a a good correlation there. I would think, too, if I I know, like, man, okay, we're on the 42-yard line. It's fourth and one. All right, yeah, we're going to go for it because I trust my defense to get the stop. Like That would be more of my thinking. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, so you're going to go for it because you know you can get the stop or a field goal at worst. And then, so maybe it's more trusting your offense. Well, they could be. Kyle doesn't trust his quarterback's croc. Well, that could be it too. I think a lot of people would say it's more of the the field position game. So it's like, all right, if you punt it from the 42 and you pin them inside the eight, which which now he's been pretty good. And then now when they punt, I mean, you're getting kind of the ball back in that same spot. But, I mean, there's sometimes where it backfires. Think of, I don't know, week one. Chicago Bears, 49ers, and maybe this goes to your, the last point you just made. Maybe there's trust quarterbacks, but I remember Trey Lance scrambled on like a third and long, and he was like one yard short, and the 49ers punted it. And then that resulted in the uh, the busted coverage and the Bears eventually scoring a touchdown, which really kind of changed the difference. So you have a big swing there, but it's like, man, you got this quarterback. He can be an option to run it. I mean, pick up a yard. He had ran well in that game. So you could utilize him. You could do some quarterback power, or you can use, I mean, Debo Samuel. There's all kinds. Of, it's like you don't have a play that you really like in that situation where, you know what, feels like the momentum, the game's a little sloppy. We don't want to have to drive down the whole field uh, again. Let's just, let's go pick up this yard right here so we can extend this drive and then eventually get points. But it's like, no, nope, I'm going to punt this ball from midfield. And Shanahan is consistently the one that like does the that has the quote unquote worst decisions in those fourth and shorts when they they go into the uh, the analytics of it and they're like okay what percentage of it uh, does this help you if you go for it or don't go for you he's always on the negative side of that and making the wrong decision uh, according to the the analytics experts out there and that that's always funny does um, he have an analytics guy 
And so, yeah, that's I, I know that people are going to ask us this question. And he, he does. And he's he's been asked this. He's like, he says, do you have somebody in the booth that's giving you this information? And I don't remember the name of the guy, but he's like uh, or what the role is exactly for this person. But he's like, yeah, someone tells me what the percentages are and what, what and what the thing is. And then the follow up question from the reporter was, do you always listen to that person? And he said, no. <laughs> so he's going on his own. He's going on vibes with this. And that's his vibe is conservative because he's got the analytics. He's got someone in his ear letting him know all of these things. And he's erring on the side of, of being conservative with those punts in short situations. I like to go to the casino. Do you, do you ever play Blackjack uh, 21? I have said that Kyle Shanahan's someone I would love to sit at a Blackjack or a poker table with because I think he's really bad at those types of decisions in, in playing the percentages. So there's kind of these, the book, right? And you'll ask, like, what does the book say? And there are some people, when they get 15, that they're going to hit. And 100% of the time, they'll hit 15. There are some people that go off more of a feel. And when you have, like, something that you stick to, you typically feel more better about, like, the results of it. Mm -hmm. So if it's 15, but I'm somebody that, hey, every time it's 15, I'm going to hit. Now, obviously, it depends on what the face card of the, right. you know, if they have a, uh, you know, if they have a three, four, five, or six, you're, you're probably going to stay no matter what. But if you are somebody where, man, they got a face card and I got this 15, I'm going to hit every time. Those people, that's kind of how you play it. And it feels like Kyle doesn't have that, like, this is how I'm going to play this situation. Like you said, it's more about feels. And I feel like when you go more off of feel as opposed to this is what we do, I think you miss out on a lot of opportunities. Uh, maybe that's maybe it's opposite. Maybe it is more like this is what we do. He's like, look, I'm going to lean on my defense, and that's it. You know, my, this this game is is no. on my defense. Because <laughs> there's been a couple of times where a timeout was called, and he was thinking about going for it, and then he ended up sending a, a punt team on the field. Yeah. So it, it's I don't even think it's about what is it is more of a vibe that he gets, right? Which is more well, of a yeah. conservative vibe. So be like, okay, is it is it a is it a long one? Is it a short one? Oh, it's a one and a half. Let's punt. You know, he, he does those. It's they're it's, like remeasuring. Yeah. And look, and here's the thing. It's like Kyle Shanahan is, is such an amazing uh, coach. He's a really good coach. 49ers are lucky to have him. Uh, he's a good head coach. He's obviously an awesome offensive coordinator. But there's some things he could get better at. And, and sometimes, you know, there's some things he does great. Sometimes he doesn't do them as good. I think, you know, sometimes they do some weird things in the draft. And, and I'm talking about the percentages, the whole trade up for number three. It's like, what are you doing? You're giving up too much too soon to go up to number three for this completely unknown quarterback. That's, that's, you know, that's, that's a hail Mary. That's a, that's a, put it all on one number at the roulette table and, and hope right. you hit it. Kyle, he played against Andy Reid. Andy Reid has struggled to like win that Super Bowl, And I'll just never forget just how much balls pause, how much balls Andy Reid had when it was fourth and one. And and they were kind of, they were in that red zone. It's fourth and one. It chip shot field goal. It's not even like oh man, we're at the forty. You know, fourth and one at the forty. Do we do we kick it? You know, do we kick, punt it off or you know do we? No, no, it's we're in red zone. Like we 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 have points right here if we want this chip shot field goal. No, we want to make them pay. And they did the whole thing where they lined up, then they all spun, then they lined up, then they snapped the ball, and they handed yeah. it off, and they picked up the yard. But to me, like that play was so big. It really kind of changed a lot of how they had to play the rest of the game. Imagine if they didn't get that and, and then get that touchdown. Now are you down 17 points as opposed to 10 with six minutes left? You know, 
Like that, like that, that's like that's the difference. But that was his mindset. Like we're we're going for this, like no doubt about it. Like I'm okay now. Maybe it's as simple as well. We have goddamn Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> you know. But man, like that was just we're going for this. And you know what? It's not that he had Patrick Mahomes because the next year in the playoffs when Mahomes got knocked out the game against the Cleveland Browns, what did he do? Fourth and one from midfield. You give the Browns the ball back. They're in scoring position. And this is the playoffs. Game's on the line. And he said, mm, nope, we're going to run this little out route with Chad Henney at quarterback and throw it to Tyreek Hill. I mean, it's, so it's just a, it's more of a mindset thing. Yeah. And not only the not only Andy Reid and the, the Chiefs, but I mean, the two teams in the Super Bowl. Nobody goes for it more than the Philadelphia Eagles. They treat fourth and two like it's third down. And they do you see how they do it? Yeah. They, they do that little like it's like they all kind of bu- bush uh, push. Yeah, they huddle up behind the quarterback and then just snap the ball. And it's like, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it fail. It never fails. They're they're amazing at those short yardage plays. Uh, all right. It's never, th- never a doubt in their mind that they're, that they're doing that. Next, Croc. Uh, 49ers schedule. Let's look ahead to those Seahawks games. There's two Seahawks games on the schedule. Does it benefit the 49ers where those teams are playing this year? Next. Thanks again, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Shout out to all the everydayers. If you're not an everydayer, make sure you're subscribed up on YouTube. Hit the notification, hit the like button, uh, and you can find us on the audio podcasts everywhere you listen to podcasts. Okay, Croc, a question here on Twitter from, uh, this one was from Kyle. And this was a little bit wild back, and you're talking a little bit about the schedule for the 49ers. And it's a good question. Uh, with both Seattle games happening in the back half of the season, do you think that could benefit the 49ers with Seattle's strong rookie class, quote-unquote, maybe hitting that rookie wall around that time? And uh, and also, you know, there's been so much talk, Croc, about uh, the 49ers and, and, you know, not knowing who the quarterback is to start the year. Matt Williamson, my co-host on the Peacock and Williamson NFL show, make, your, make sure you subscribe up there daily here on Locked On. Um, he was, he was like, Oh, this is a perfect time. This is like, I know we're going to play the 49ers this year. I hope the Steelers, the Steelers is the teams, the team he covers in Pittsburgh. So I hope the Steelers are playing the 49ers in week one. That's when you want to get them. So I think it benefits the 49ers versus any of these teams at the end of the year. Now, as long as not, no major injuries happen or anything like that, but in the way that the 49ers have started the last couple of years, I think for sure it benefits the 49ers to play the Seahawks late it benefits the 49ers to play anybody. I think after the first month of the season. Yeah. It definitely. The 49ers hit their stride kind of middle of the season. So if you are uh, Matt Williamson, definitely get the 49ers week one. I mean, right now, we assume it's Brock Purdy, but we don't even know who the starting quarterback is going to be. I mean, you can ask three people and you'll get three different answers, right? Uh, shoots, I think if you, you might get four, depending on how uh, Allen looks during the uh, uh, preseason and training camp. So uh, you never kind of know how the 49ers are going to go into week one, but I say, you know, coming around week 10, they're going to start hitting their stride. And as it pertains to the Seattle Seahawks, you're going to get the best version of the 49ers and the most comfortable version of the 49ers. And whoever is quarterback, which we're, again, we're assuming Brock Purdy, he should be in more of a rhythm and more of a grasp of the offense because I, I think there is a chance of this. I think there's a chance that Brock Purdy starts to kind of go, that goes a little backwards to start. 
because I think that Kyle's going to throw more on him. And again, we've seen this with Jimmy, where once it's like, okay, you come in, you can play free. We're going to make it as simple as possible. The next offseason, we're probably going to throw a lot at you mentally, more of the offense and exactly how I want it, and he's not going to let him play as free, and now you have to execute. And I think that might take a little bit of time, but by week 10, especially uh, heading towards those Seahawks games, I think uh, uh, Brock Purdy will have that down, and there won't be any issues. So I think that will be the best version of the 49ers when they play Seahawks later in the season. So those games against the Seahawks is week 12 and week 14. And I will say, and Kyle mentioned the rookie wall, you know, some rookies hit a rookie wall, some don't. I don't know if that's something you can bank on. And I don't know if that's a reason why you want to play the Seahawks later on in the season. You know, you could also argue that the the rookies won't be up to speed early in the season and the second half of the year after their bye week, maybe those rookies are, you know, hitting their stride in their rookie year too. Uh, But the one thing I don't like about the Seattle Seahawks the first game is it's a short week on the road at Seattle. And many times those are scheduled losses. If you look around the league and you say, okay, we've got an away Thursday game, short rest after a Sunday game. That's a scheduled loss in a lot of cases. And so for that reason, I don't love the scheduling of Seattle Thursday night, uh, which is that's a Thanksgiving game, right? Yeah. Thanksgiving. Do you think it's easier? And again, I've never been in this kind of situation, but you know, you're only, it's only like a couple hour flight. Yeah, yeah, it's not that it's not that far. I mean, it's a tough place to play on the road. Yeah. So I think that's maybe the biggest thing. But as far as travel, you're not flying to Florida and like playing in some weird muggy weather, you know, in September or something. I think those games, I think it's underrated how tough some of those games can be in that Florida, like super muggy heat. And especially it's- for especially if you're coming from cold weather. Now, 49ers, you know, they're coming from a little bit warmer area in California. But, like, if you go from Buffalo in, like, if you go from Buffalo to Florida in September, it's probably, I mean, I remember the first time I ever flew to the East Coast. It wasn't even Florida. I went to uh, Dulles Airport in Washington, D.C. I walk out, you know, the, the doors, automatic doors leaving the airport are open. I've got my luggage with me. Um, I'm 20 something years old. I'm in my early twenties. Doors open. I walk out. I thought I hit a wall. I'd never felt that East coast humidity before in my life. I literally turned around and walked back into the airport. and was like, what the hell was that? (laughs) It it felt like I hit a wall. I thought the doors didn't open for me. I just, that, that humidity is something that's something else. Yeah. uh, it, It takes some adjusting to get used to. And sometimes, you know, my wife and I will we'll be in California and then we get back in Arkansas. And, you know, obviously Arkansas is down here in the south, especially where I live. I'm 30 minutes from Mississippi, 30 minutes from Louisiana. So it's, it's very humid uh, where I live. But we'll get off. We'll get off that plane and, and go through those doors. And it's like, boom. And it's like, oh, man, like this just what is this? You know, it's, you, it takes kind of getting used to that again. And we were talking about at night, man, it'd be 10 o'clock at night and it's still super humid. I, uh, it makes you understand why they dress the way they dress in Miami. And it's like, how do you like take three, three showers a day? Cause you're, you have, you just sweaty all day. I'm going to have to find out. Cause uh, well, well, by the time this is airing, I'll actually be in Miami. And um, I just went to H and M earlier and bought some thinner uh, type shirts. So hopefully that, that helps. Now. <laughs> I don't have to take a ton of showers. <laughs> you got to go with the button up, like all the retirees. I mean, that's, that's just smart right there. Yeah, I did. I got I got a little button up. It's like this thin little button up. I'm gonna have to like bu- buckle it down a little bit, show the chest hairs, even though I don't have chest hairs. But yeah, but I mean, show off the pecs. You've been throwing up 300 pounds on the bench, so yeah, show yeah. off that new 190 pound physique, Croc. 
<laughs> I might do that. That's fantastic. All right. Uh, Croc, have a good time this weekend in Miami. Thanks to all of the everydayers out there. Make sure you're subscribed up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. Croc and I back Monday right here. Locked on 49ers. Subscribe to this video.